Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the B-Ball Index podcast. I am your host, Cranjus McBasketball, but you can call me Tim. And this week's episode, again, through the Blue Wire Podcasting Network, is brought to you by our sponsor, betonline.ag. Today, (laughs) there's still nothing going on, really, in the basketball world on the court. Off the court, we're hearing more of new players, potentially, with uh, COVID-19. We're hearing about, I don't know, just just looking through NBA um news you're seeing things like should be should players be tested before the public you know can and will a charity game happen which i think would be cool um teams closing practice facilities league pass becoming free i know that i've watched a lot more old basketball than i have in the past um lots of those hardwood classics games i have more of an interest in now that there's just nothing else um i know as a scheme guy watching there be eight or nine guys in the paint at this at a time, even with the three point line is just so frustrating to me, but it's good to, you know, look back, learn from the older games, older teams, see the great players play, um, trying to fill the time. I have a lot more free time than I did before. So hopefully you do as well and are spending that with, with the people closest to you um, who you can know are also self-isolating. But I don't know, there's slim pickings on the news. So I decided to try to, do some brainstorming today around optimization, which is something that we've spoken about a lot at B-Ball Index. We've talked about it in different contexts. We've brought it up a lot theoretically and as a you know cognitive game that we can play. Are, are you making the most of what you have? And that's something that has always intrigued me about basketball. It's always been something that I have felt the impact of having played on teams and knowing which situations have I been in where we've made more out of the sum of our parts um, than you would just by having each of those parts separate. Um, seeing teams that I'm on use better scouting, better scheme to beat teams that we shouldn't have beaten. Um, rooting for teams, working with teams, and seeing that same impact be felt. You can see that it's real. But at the same time, at a, at a bigger picture level, it's something that Unless you're on a title team or unless there's some, I don't know, unless the attention is there, a lot of people don't notice it, maybe don't even care. Um, If you're taking a team that should be, you know, the the 13th team in your conference in the NBA and you're making them the ninth best team, you still didn't make the playoffs, we don't care. But in reality, that's great news and that's, that's a great performance and there's a lot of praise to be shared with that organization, that coaching staff, those players, there's a lot that goes into it. I think that no matter what hand you're dealt, you should always be trying to make the most of it. And in basketball, that's such a difficult thing to measure. So we're going to look at just a couple fairly simple. um, This is still something we're trying to develop. Hopefully we can push the community towards this concept because I think that there, there are so many brilliant people out there. We can develop better, more precise ways to capture what I'm hoping we can try to capture with these. Um, but, you know, take, taking a break from helping out my old friends, building a, you know, 2K rosters and a 
Greek church league teams uh, for basketball. We're, we're going to see if we can do this a little bit instead. So I, I want to continue pushing forward that conversation around talent imp- impact, how they're different, and what lives in between those two terms. Talent is what a player can and can't do. A player, is, they might be a talented perimeter shooter. They may not be a talented perimeter shooter. They may be talented, you know, creating off the dribble or talented in the, you know, short roll or posting up. There, there are different areas where you, you either have it or you don't. And I don't know, for, if we're thinking about it from like a business standpoint, the, the knowledge, skills, and abilities, the KSAs, as we'll call it, that's really what we're talking about with talent. Impact, that's that's the work product you're getting from the person with their own KSAs up against the roles and responsibilities they're given and then the other contextual factors around them. You can have two people with the same skill set and the same roles, but with you know different cultures or different uh, situations around them that makes one person more likely to give it their all and, and perform better than the other. So you want to have a good culture. You want to have those things around it that on the day-to-day basis are helping people be happy and perform. And, and we know all these things in HR about happier people performing better, staying longer. It's in, it's in an organization's best interest to keep their employees happy. Uh, from a basketball sense, culture. We hear about culture. A lot of times when we hear about culture, it's when a team is winning. Um, when we hear about a, a team crumbling or losing, we'll point at culture. But culture is something that can happen on the first, seventh, you know, thirteenth, it doesn't matter. You you can be you can have a good culture, no matter if you're a good team or a bad team. You should be looking to build that. But then also, the roles and responsibilities that we're expecting of somebody is such a key critical thing. And I'll, I'll come up with another business example and, and see if that helps. So, let's say you get a business school degree in, in marketing. Right, so you know marketing. Your KSAs might be knowledgeable around uh, market segmentation, uh, different marketing things. You might have a skill with communication that you developed in college, right? Your, your jobs, and you might have an ability to sell people on an idea. So you maybe uh, some knowledge, some skills, some abilities. That's those are your KSAs. That's your 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 competency levels. That's your skill set. But what lives in between what you're bringing to the table and what your company's getting out of you is that optimization. It's not the responsibility of one person. It's not on you as an employee. It's not just on your boss. In basketball, it's not just on Steve Clifford or Steve Kerr or whoever. Um, it's, it's around a lot of different things. But putting somebody with that marketing degree in a marketing position, you're, you're going to get more out of them than if you put them in a finance position. Maybe they took some of the same classes in college. Maybe they have some similar skills, but that's not the best position for that person. And in the basketball sense, we can look at whether or not we're putting players in the right roles to succeed. So that's one of the three things we're going to talk about today. Matching skill sets to roles. And when we talk about that, it's around the roles and responsibilities that we expect of players in different types of positions. Um, We're going to talk about playing better players more, using better lineups more. Because you might be really talented, but if you're on the bench or, or the, the great lineups you have aren't being used, 
that's not going to make the most out of what you have. And then the third thing is uh, more on the results side is looking at one of our measures of optimization at B-Ball Index, where we look at the impact we would expect of a player given their skill set and given their role, and then comparing that with the actual output from an impact standpoint for that player in their position and in the role. Um, and that is hopefully taking a look at uh, how much impact we are getting from uh, scheme X's and O's. It's so, I mean, I wish we had better tracking data to measure scheme because that's such a big piece of this. I know I've spoken with people with teams and, and said, Hey, like, do we have the tracking that can let us know that, you know, player A makes better reads coming off of the pin down than player B? Is that something that is happening or they're working on it? And they're like, Hey, if you have it, that's the Holy grail. Um, that type of, tracking where you can recognize plays or recognize almost the IQ of players in situations. Teams are looking for that. We're looking for that. Uh, you need really good film and, and tracking capabilities to get to that or, or some, you know, really good algorithms in there. Um, but we don't quite have that yet. So we're just going to use that higher level impact versus talent uh, metric as well. So let's start the first of three with our, uh, you know, are you playing better players more? You might have a, a key project. Um, it, it, let's say let's say we're a company again. We might have a key project, um, but if you have somebody who's talented and could help, but you don't have them in there to help, you're, you're wasting opportunity. Um, and I mean, this is obviously very, very, very simplified. People have different things to do, but let's just say on this project, we could use you, but we didn't or we only use you for a little bit and we could have used you for more. From, for basketball, a very simple way that we can look at uh, this is the correlation between what we'll use player impact plus minus and minutes played. Um, and then also at team lineup, luck adjusted plus, uh, I'm sorry, luck adjusted net rating and then minutes played as well for lineups. And we're going to say lineups with 75 plus possessions. I do want to say that injuries and other factors could cause issues. And this is, again, this is very simplistic. Um, but if we look at the season long math or only high volume lineups, it should in some ways uh, help not count against teams for experimenting. But really the idea here with the lineups piece of this is you want to make the most out of what you have. And uh, in our next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about optimizing lineups. But really, if you can make Instead of 2 plus 2 equal 4, if you can make 2 plus 2 equal 5, so you've got something great going on. And, and in reality, it's you know five different numbers. But if you can make like a, a 5 out of 10, a 6 out of 10, a 9 out of 10, a 3 out of 10, and a 4 out of 10 equal you know 40, you're doing a great job. Um, or I don't and they don't, don't trust my math there. I didn't write that one down. Um, but if you can make more out of the sum of those parts than each of them individually, then you're making a good use of what you have. So let's just, uh, I guess, take a look at some of the numbers. If we're looking at the teams that are playing their best players more, and well, I, I, maybe not best, we won't say best, we'll say most, in, most positively impactful. Um, if we're just looking at the correlation between minutes played and player impact plus minus, while understanding that maybe somebody had was having a really good season and then was injured and, and wasn't able to play as much, or maybe somebody 
uh, started the year late, like a Zion, and their minutes played isn't very high, uh, but their impact is quite high. Th- those are considerations to have. Maybe it should be something, maybe I can look more at uh, the percentage of possible minutes played for each player given the games that they played in. I think that might be a more robust way to do this, and I'll, I'll try to go back to the drawing board and figure out the math on that and then come back to you. But for now, correlating minutes with impact, we have an interesting look of teams uh, at the top, Milwaukee, uh, Phoenix, Indiana, Utah, Oklahoma City, the Lakers, Celtics, Raptors, Sixers, uh, Miami. Uh, but I mean, by now we're getting into, I think that's your top 10 right there. If we look at some of the bottom teams, Cleveland is at the bottom. They have a negative correlation, as do the Hornets, as do the Spurs, the Bulls, and the Timberwolves. So each of those five teams had a negative correlation. If you had a higher PIPM, if you had a higher impact, you played less on those teams than you did anywhere else. Whereas for Milwaukee, there was a 0.88 correlation between impact and uh, the minutes played for players. And this isn't the, you know ultimate impact metric that'll that'll be the best ever and this isn't the only way to judge players but in general you we would hope that you would be playing players with a higher pipm more so i mean it's concerning to see a cleveland at almost a negative 0.5 um charlotte pretty low the spurs very low the bulls low minnesota low it maybe speaks to perhaps injuries have played a part in this um maybe there's some tanking afoot but that, I think, is interesting. If we turn our attention to playing the best lineups or the most impactful lineups more. So again, this is luck-adjusted uh, net rating data. So trying to tease out some of the uh, you know volatility that you would have in normal lineup data, where even up to like I don't know, several hundred possessions, if a couple shots go in or out, it can change the number. This is looking more at the process than the results to get to that. And uh, our top 10 teams in this are the Pelicans, the Pistons, Chicago, Dallas, Utah, Miami, the Spurs, the Sixers, the Warriors, and the Nuggets. At the bottom, we have the Thunder, Minnesota, Orlando, Charlotte, the Lakers, Portland, Boston, and Cleveland, and then Washington and Houston are also down there. Um, actually, wait, hang on. OKC isn't quite that low. Minnesota is the lowest. OKC is more around 10th than they are worst. Um, didn't have my filtering on quite right. If we were to look at, you know, from a relative standpoint, how these teams stack up and then use Z scores to blend these together, uh, just, you know, looking at minutes played for your best players and the best lineups. Utah is at the top, the Pelicans, the Bucks, the Heat, the Suns, uh, Pacers, Sixers, and Dallas are a very clear top tier, top, top tier and a half. Those are your top eight teams. Way, way down at the bottom, we have Cleveland, Charlotte, Minnesota, and Orlando. Um, and then there are several tiers in between all those teams, um, but that stands out to me. Some of we in in as we talk about these other measures, you'll start to see some patterns. You'll start to see several teams who fairly consistently are 
performing highly in these different measures. And again, nothing super complex, but playing your better players and your better, better lineups more, if at all possible, is usually pretty good. Next, we're going to take a look at matching players to roles. And if, you've, if you're unfamiliar with anything like our PIPM data, the luck-adjusted data, our offensive roles, I would refer you back to some of our older podcasts. Um, our offensive roles that we're going to talk about today relate to the usage for players. It's not how talented they are. It's not how efficient they are. It's not their height or their weight. It's looking just at how often are they used in different synergy play types. So posting up, pick and roll ball handler, isolation, spotting up, putbacks, cutting, all of that good stuff. And taking a look at those, we ran through, we, and we talked about this on another episode, our machine learning to figure out what uh, were, what skill sets were most important for different roles. And then from that, we're able to compare that data with the talent data that we have for players this year and see almost from an opportunity cost standpoint is the way I've been trying to look at it, which players have lower impact than they probably should have due to being used in a role that isn't a great match for them. And it's not just about being most efficient. It's not, you know, being in this role might make you more efficient, but bigger picture wouldn't help your team as much. We're talking about impact. This is, this is looking at an impact. So it is that trying to measure that bigger picture, you know, what benefits the team. If we, you know, going back to that marketing example, if you, you know, marketing, if we throw you in a supply chain position, it's still business, but that's misalignment to your skills and we're not making the most of you. So that is the type of thing. I mean, we see it in the business world. We see people struggle in roles because they're not a good fit for them, either from a culture standpoint or a job standpoint, put them in a better situation. Same person, same skill set. Obviously you learn and you grow over time, but they'll perform better because they're feeling better. They're doing things that better match what they're good at. And this is that same idea. If we're going to look at the ratings here, again, this is at the team levels. Um, the teams that had the, uh, and I guess I should say that we're looking at a minutes weighted uh, opportunity cost here. So if you have players who don't really play all that much in worse uh, fits for them on one team and then on another team, you have players in critical roles who aren't optimized well for from a role standpoint. The team with the critical players that are playing more minutes in worse roles for them will be you know, lower on the, the ladder, lower a couple rungs below the team that the misalignment is more with their ancillary players. That's what we're talking about when we say that we're using the uh, minutes weighted average here. So looking at role fit, our top, let's see, our top 10, our top, I'd say our top four are kind of in their own tier. Brooklyn, Utah, Portland, and Oklahoma City. Then we have Miami, Washington, the Knicks, uh, and a drop-off, Atlanta, Indiana, Memphis, and we get to Houston. Um, towards the bottom, very, very, way, way down, Golden State. And they've had a lot of issues this year with injuries and, and lots of different players playing. Also very bad, uh, but in their own tier, Cleveland. And then we get to some teams that are closer together with the Kings, the Pelicans, the Lakers, the Nuggets, Raptors, um, and 
that rounds up your bottom seven. The Spurs are down there as well. Charlotte again. We see Charlotte's name a lot uh, coming up lower on these lists. So that's taking a look at role fit. Are players optimized in roles? And this is something I like to think about. When you, I mean, we don't need to have this data to grasp this. And this isn't a concept that we're inventing. College coaches, high school coaches, international team coaches, I, I would encourage you to think about these things as well. For what your players are good at, if you were to write out, this is Tim's skill set. And then if you were to write out, here's what we're asking him to do in our offense and in our defense, how much alignment is there? Is there misalignment? Are there roles that would better match Tim's skill set? Is Tim used very, very well? And then also when you're looking at free agents or you're looking at players to trade for or players that you're inheriting on a roster, players that are moving up to your high school team from middle school, whatever it may be, how were they optimized? Because we'll find diamonds in the rough Players that exhibited talent, we saw the talent, but they were in positions and they were in roles that didn't sh- didn't show the best of them. So finding those players where you don't need to really develop somebody, you don't need to do that hard work of making somebody better. You just need to, you know, fix the makeup, shine the better light, put them in a better situation, and they they already have it. So that's why I think this is such an easy win for teams that can do it well. Um, and whether it, maybe that's finding players to fit your system or it's cha- being willing to change your system to fit the talent you have. I think one of those solutions is better at the college level. One of those solutions is better at the pro level. Uh, the dynamics of player uh, power almost is is part of this as well. You want to make sure that you're optimizing your top players and then and then trickle it down from there. If you're looking at different schemes to consider, start with the one that makes best use of your most important players and hope the other pieces fall in place. Well, at the same time, understanding that in general, X's and O's are least impactful on the ability of like a LeBron James to succeed or... You know, some of your tall creators, some of your mega creators, your James Hardens um, or your your versatile bigs, as long as they have the ball, as long as you're able to get them the volume, it generally won't matter as much for their impact what you're doing away from the ball. Um, But I mean, for certain players, if if they've got a great passing skill set in a position that isn't normally high volume passing, like a Nikola Jokic, building a system around them that allows them to make the most use of not just the scoring, but the passing in their game, that can be great as well. And that was one of the teams that in looking at the roles that their players have, it stood out that they had a lot of secondary creators in their guards and wings when you normally wouldn't expect to have that many players doing those roles. So there was less pick and roll. There was less ISO from their guards and wings than most teams. And instead there were more cuts for them. Uh, There's more handoffs, more off screen actions, and I think that relates very directly with the way they like to use their players and their scheme around Nikola Jokic. So there are different ways to look at this, but again, just very basic minutes, uh, weighted average, role fit, op- uh, opportunity cost. That's how the team stacked up. So that's number two. Going to number three, measuring that impact versus talent, looking at our optimization ratings, 
which we have for up to, I guess, seven seasons, seven seasons at this point. Uh, let's take a look at some of the coaches and coaching staffs, I should say, not just individual coaches at the top and also at the bottom. And again, these are looking at the almost the expected impact a player would have given their talent levels and given the role that they're in compared to the actual impact they have given the role that they're in. So role here shouldn't matter um, because the expectation on role is going to equal reality on role. Um, I should say the expectation on on impact, uh, we're already somewhat controlling for role in that sense. So if we're looking, some of these coaches only one year, some of them up to seven years are some of our top offensive optimization coaches. And, and I will say we have revamped these this year to incorporate that role component. Um, this is offensive optimization. We have Mike D'Antoni up at the top. I think that makes a lot of sense. We have a lot of players on those Houston teams that aren't super talented, but they're in roles that allow them to be really good at the couple things they're good at on high volume and mitigate the negative impact they might have by not using them in the ways that they're weak. If you're uh, not somebody who can attack off the dribble or you, you're not good at coming off of screens, you just catch and you shoot, Houston can can find a role for you. Then we have Greg Popovich right behind D'Antoni. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Taylor Jenkins from Memphis this year, he's up there. Uh, Dwayne Casey has performed quite well over his seven-year sample. Uh, Frank Vogel is up there. Vogel is somebody who has stood out uh, in these optimization ratings as when we incorporated role of players, he jumped up quite a bit. Uh, then we have Quinn Snyder, Utah. Uh, Steve Clifford with Orlando. Doc Rivers with the uh, Clippers. Currently, I should say, for all these coaches. Uh, Rick Carlisle, Steve Kerr, Monty Williams, uh, Eric Spolstra, Brett Brown. Those are some of the ones at the top. Towards the bottom, John Beeline, almost in a league of his own. Uh, James Borrego, Scotty Brooks. So, so we've got Cle- Cleveland. Charlotte, Washington, uh, Kenny Atkinson, who was fired recently, he's down there. Luke Walton's down there. Um, Brad Stevens is down there. David Fisdale's down there. They're, I won't say literally every single name on the list, but you can see how some of the coaches performing well or not so well. And again, it's coaching staffs, not just individual coaches. Um, how they've done makes a lot of sense. And, and this, that one is almost encompassing all of these other components among the many others that go into crafting the final output that you get from your teams. If we were to try to blend all of these together, and I will openly admit that there may be a better way to do this than just, uh, you know, taking an average of Z scores for each of these. We don't want too much redundancy. Uh, we want to make sure that each of them is adding unique value and the fact that the optimization ratings are almost encompassing of some of the lineup and role fit stuff is we'll set that aside for right now. If we just look at each of these um, in a full blend, trying to say overall on offense, who is making the best and in worst use of the pieces that they're given. Quinn Snyder, Utah up at the top. We've seen Utah. Let's see. They were fourth in uh, the minutes they were fifth in lineups. They were first in the blend of minutes and lineups. Um, when it came to roll fit, they were second. 
when it came to those overall optimization ratings, they were sixth. Um, so maybe sixth is a, is a better, better barometer for the result. But it, again, if we're just going to blend them all together, Utah has performed best pretty much across the board on these. Then we have Mike D'Antoni, Houston. Uh, Dwayne Casey has performed pretty well. Detroit, Spolstra with Miami, Brett Brown for Philly, Carlisle for Dallas, um, McMillan for Indiana, Jenkins for Memphis, uh, towards the bottom, Beeline for Cleveland, Brago for Charlotte, uh, Steve Kerr was uh, an interesting one for Golden State, and I actually see how that can make a lot of sense. They they performed quite poorly this year with the role fits, and I would say in general, when his staff hasn't had their full roster of players to run the scheme that we all have grown to know over the past couple of years and championships for them, uh, when they don't have everything op- operating at full capacity, their scheme and their impact has really, really dropped off. And not just from a, well, if you have Steph Curry, you're going to be worse. Or if you, I'm sorry, if you don't have Steph Curry, you'll be worse. If you don't have Kevin Durant, you'll be worse. If you don't have Clay Thompson, you'll be worse. It's not just that they're missing those guys, but even when they had the, all three of them together in Draymond, when you would take one of them out, all of a sudden the scheme would change in, in ways it didn't really need to. So I have a lot of questions about that uh, coaching staff in bigger picture adjustment standpoints and some scheme questions, but they have the titles. They can always lean on that. But in, in this measure, they don't perform very highly. Uh, Ryan Saunders, quite low. Steve Clifford, Luke Walton, Scott, Scotty Brooks, all low in this. Um, again, that's that full blend looking at all of these different pieces. So I don't think this is the end-all be-all of measuring this. It certainly isn't. I think even taking these concepts and refining the approach to do what I've done today is some of the next steps that I'll take over the, uh, I don't want to say quarantine because I'm not quite quarantined, but the social distancing uh, that will occur for the next couple months. Hopefully we get some basketball back soon, but we need society to take care of itself first um, before we worry about playing some, some games. So that's a peek into some of the different ways that I like to look at how players optimize, I'm sorry, how coaches optimize their players, you know, use the better ones more, put your players in, in the right jobs for their skill sets. Um, and then we can kind of see how that plays out almost in the, the while adjusting for role, adjusting for minutes and looking at uh, X's and O's with those optimization ratings and then blending them all together. I, from this have, you know, gotten a lot more respect from uh, a lot more respect for someone like Quinn Snyder, someone like Dwayne Casey. Uh, Snyder, you know, I think with Gobert and what they do defensively has gotten a lot of recognition, but offensively, probably one of the most underrated offensive staffs and coaches and schemes. Big fan of what they do, and I've been a big fan of what they've done for several years now. Mike D'Antoni, we know what he's about. Spolstra, uh, Carlisle. There's some guys up here that like shouldn't surprise you. And then there are some ones that maybe you should take a closer look at, like a Taylor Jenkins or like a Dwayne Casey or like a, a Brett Brown, who I still think has some ways to go in making the best use of someone like Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons with Joel Embiid or with Al Horford, all of that. That's hard. Those are those are hard. Those are that's that's the, you know, calculus three. Um, but with a lot of these are doing very well. So that's it for today. We've got more coming in a couple days around 
optimizing lineups, but for basketball index, I've been Frangis McBasketball. And uh, again, brought to you on the Blue Wire Podcast Network through um, betonline.ag as our sponsor today.